sometimes he asks me to uh, just do what God lays on my heart to do, and that's this morning. Uh, other times he asks me to kind of jump into his series. And the fact that he, in his series right now, is in Hebrews chapter 6, going into chapter 7, I'm really, really glad he, <laughs> he let me move on, uh, on into something I, I, I saw fit, because uh, that is some heavy lifting right in there. I really look forward uh, to Steve's handling of that when he gets back, and, and I really encourage us all to, uh, to, to he is such a... Um, uh, a blessed man in the way that he handles the word, and uh, I, I can't wait, honestly, to, to hear him get into that really heavy, meaty, beefy part of scripture and, and expose that to us. Um, this past week, Matt asked me, he says, uh, what, what are you, you going to be talking about? Matt's my son, by the way, and uh, he said, what are you going to be talking about? And I said, well, I, I, I believe I'm going to be talking about John the Baptist, and he said, uh, is, is that because of the cicadas? I said, what? He, he said, is that because of the cicadas? Is that some reference to the cicadas? Now, I, I, I looked at him with, I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, the cicadas are coming out, and John the Baptist ate bugs and stuff, and I'm seeing all these recipes online for the way to put cicadas in cookies and the way to put cicadas in all this stuff, and it makes a great crunch bar with chocolate. And I'm like, let me make sure you understand something. This has nothing to do with the cicadas, okay? So uh, we are going to be talking. Apparently, they're getting ready, to, or they are out or something like that. And uh, anyway. Not, not where we're going. Uh, today we're going to primarily, if you want to go ahead and stick a finger in your Bible, uh, be around Luke 7, okay? And, and uh, so that's kind of where we're going to hang out concerning John the Baptist. And, and uh, so that, if you want to go ahead and put your, like say, a, a, a marker there, we'll, we'll get there. But first, it's one of the, the things that I always feel obligated because context is so key to so much of this stuff. I feel like I need to lay a little bit of foundation here as to what uh, we're going to be talking about and, uh, and, and how we're going to approach this. The scriptures, and Jesus himself actually described John as the greatest man born of a woman. The greatest. Now, coming from the lips of Christ, that is very, very high mark, okay? And so we need to think about John from, from that, that standpoint. But before we, we get into John here, uh, we wanna, I want to take a walk down. Uh, Chase uh, read to us from, from Isaiah. He read some of the passages that, that I want to highlight here concerning Isaiah. See, the book of Isaiah has many uh, uh, messianic prophecies. It's full of, of messianic prophecies. As a matter of fact, it's, it's probably 70% or so. And uh, so much of... of what Christ is about, how he gets here, what he's, and what he's going to do when he's here, and all that is, is explained or prophesied by the prophet Isaiah in, in the book of Isaiah. And one of the things, there are many things, like I say, that, that are prophesied there, but one of the things that, that Isaiah prophesies about 
is the signs and wonders that Jesus will do or the Messiah will do while he's here on earth. And if we drill down in those, again, we would have to go through probably seven or eight chapters to pull all these out. But if we drill down in those, we can find a list of about seven particular things that, that Christ will do, that the Messiah will do in terms of signs and wonders, miracles basically, while he is here on earth. And because I didn't want to just leave these monitors blank the whole time, and Joy encouraged me to do this, I've made this list of seven that I think uh, are, are, there may be some little differences, but they're going to be variations off of this, okay? And this comes, like I say, from several chapters within the book of Isaiah. The list is, is, is this. The blind will receive their sight. The lame will walk. The sick will be healed. The deaf will hear. The dead will be raised. The poor will be preached to. And the prisoners will be freed. That's, that's kind of the list as best that I can ascertain, and, and trust me, I didn't get this all by myself, okay? So, this, uh, so uh, that's the list that I understand to be the miracles, the signs and wonders that Jesus will do when he, as prophesied by Isaiah, when he gets here. Now, let's uh, talk about John the Baptist. Now we can finally get to the, a little bit about the topic. Okay, what do we, what do we know about John? Uh, what, what are some of the facts and, and circumstances that we know about John? Uh, one, his mother's name was Elizabeth. His father's name was Zechariah, right? And Zechariah was a priest. And we know that both of them from Scripture was what the Scriptures call they were advanced in years. Okay, I... <laughs> I don't know what exactly that one means, but uh, uh, I've heard it described several different ways. One of them is they basically had one foot in a grave. Okay, they, they were old. Uh, this is the, they were elderly, what we would call today seniors and elderly and those kinds of things. And, and I kind of put myself in that, that category. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the Scripture also tell us, tells us that, that Elizabeth was barren. She had never had children. And yet, in her advanced years, and, uh, and with one foot already in the grave, she became with child, and it basically, as, as a miracle in, in and of itself, she, she became pregnant with John the Baptist. Now, while she was pregnant with John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel visited Zechariah, okay, and telling him that, that his son shall be named John. They gave him the name. And he also told him that he will be great among men. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he basically uh, told Zechariah he wasn't going to be able to talk for a while. And uh, so Zechariah ended up being temporarily mute and uh, until John was born. Once John was born, we know that he lived in the wilderness. He was homeless in the wilderness, correct? His clothing was made of, kids, animal skins. Does that sound right? He had animal skins for clothing, and he ate, look, look, not cicadas, uh, 
although they probably would have been better than the locusts that he had, according to Facebook. But uh, at any rate, it is, uh, he ate locusts and drank wild honey, right? That's, these are the things, these are some of the things that we know about John. We also know that he was absolutely obedient that the things that he, that he did like this were out of obedience, that he had been told to do these things by God through the Holy Spirit, and he was obedient beyond measure. His, his ministry kind of goes something like this. Let's, let's flip over just a couple pages to, to Luke chapter 3, and we'll see a little bit about John's ministry. We'll read the, like the first nine verses. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judah, Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of a region of Atria and Traconitus, and that word, uh, another guy. During the, during the high priesthood of Annas and Cephas, or Caiaphas, excuse me, the, the word of God came to John and the son of Zechariah in the wilderness, and he went into all regions around Jordan. This is the important part, proclaiming baptism of repentance, uh, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, as it is written in the, the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way, make his path straight, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, all and all flesh shall shit shall shall see the salvation of the Lord. And that tells us a lot about uh, John's ministry. Now, he, would, he frequently preached about repentance, but he also had a tendency to kind of get on the local ruler by the name of Herod. He had a, a real, real tendency to call him out on the, on the way he was living and the things that he was doing. For instance, one of the things he got onto him a lot about was that Herod was having an affair with his brother's wife, his, his, his sister-in-law. Okay? Her name was Heredius, and he was having an affair with her. And, and, and John would call him out and say, it's not lawful. It is not lawful for you to have her. And he, would, uh, he was all up in his... All up in his business about it, rightfully, and and it, it really got on Herod's nerves. But more so, it got on, seemed to get on the nerves of Herodias herself. Um, because we'll we'll see a little bit about that here, in in a little bit. But one day, John was in the River Jordan, and he was baptizing folks uh, after repentance, and and people were were becoming. Uh, believers uh, and renewed believers in Christ, and he was being very faithful to his work. And all of a sudden, a figure marches into the waters of baptism, and it's Jesus Christ himself. And as Christ walks into the waters and asks to be baptized, John, John basically argues with him. And he says, you know, I'm not even worthy to carry your sandals. How in the world am I worthy to baptize you. They have a discussion about it. Ultimately, John baptizes Jesus, and the scriptures tell us that the heavens opened up, a dove ascended, and the audible voice of God was heard, saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It's a beautiful, it probably was a red-letter day for John's ministry, 
okay? I'm sure he felt pretty good about, about the day when he got home. But at any rate, it was, a, it was a, quite an event. Then after his baptism, Jesus then is uh, prompted by the Spirit to go into the wilderness for 40 days and be tempted. And after he finishes that is when Jesus' ministry here on earth begins. When he returns, he comes to Galilee, and uh, you can read the gospel accounts of, just, of, of all the things that began to happen once he came to Galilee. And uh, he was doing all, many of the signs and miracles that, that we, we had on our list up here before, and uh, he was becoming quite popular, going from town to town, and, but somewhere during this time frame, I'm not exactly sure where, where during this time frame, Herodias finally convinced Herod to do something about John the Baptist because he just would not shut up. So John the Baptist, Herod sent basically uh, soldiers to arrest John the Baptist, and he ends up put into a dungeon. And again, I don't know how long... He was, uh, he was there in the dungeon, but um, it, it must have been long enough, and, uh, but we are finally where I wanted to go uh, with this message today after all this, all this background work. So let's look at Luke chapter 7 now, and we'll start in verse 11. Soon afterward, he, that's Christ, went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. He drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bear, and the bear stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And the reports about him began to spread through the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. The disciples of John. This would be John the Baptist we're talking about. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, John. And John called two of his disciples to him and sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Okay, I want to pause right here for just a minute. Here was a man who had an unbelievable ministry going, a ministry of baptism. He had heard the audible voice of God. He had been called by Christ to be the greatest man ever born of a woman. And yet, in his despair, like I said, I don't know how long he was in a dungeon, but I'm sure, you know, if it was five days, it was way too many days. But at any rate, here he was in a dungeon, and in his despair, he began to doubt the things he believed in. Guys, I find a bit of encouragement in that. Uh, I find a, a, where I, I find myself saying, if John the Baptist had seasons of doubt, 
seasons of time where he was saying, is, is, is this really it? Is this really what this is all about? Then I suspect we all will. So I take some encouragement from John the Baptist, but I also take encouragement from John the Baptist and that he didn't just sit there in his doubts. Okay, so let's look, let's look at what happens as we, as we move on. Backing up. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Well, in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, did you guys hear that list? Did you happen to, to hear the list of things when Christ was telling the disciples of John, this is what you need to tell them? Uh, Joe, go ahead and put that list back up there, if you will. And let me read through this again. Yeah, there we go. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Now, I did the, I did the order of this list, okay? It, so it's it, for all of our simplicity. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. Which one did he not give him? Wow. Now I know if you read about the ministry of John the Baptist, he quoted Isaiah often. You have to think that he was uh, quite learned of, of the, the writings of, of Isaiah. But here he was. I can almost, you know, see him standing there listening and going, did he, did, did, did he say anything else past that last one? Say anything. Was there anything else in his message to me besides that? And they're like, no, that's, that's it. I have to think that... You, Jesus was sending this message. I am the one. There will be no other. I am the one. There will be no other. And I will be the one even if you die in prison. Okay.
ahead of myself. Now, if we flip over to, and I'm not asking you to, you're welcome to if you want to, but if we flip over to Matthew 14, uh, we find a rather interesting thing that happens in light of what we just talked about. As I mentioned, uh, Herodias was very, very uh, angry with, the, with John the Baptist. She was really pushing. I think if you, if you read scriptures, you kind of find out that Herod had, had a little bit of interest. He may have even been, it, it kind of indicates he was a little entertained by John. And he had actually listened to him a number, of a, t- a number of times. But Herodias really seemed to be pushing the idea that, that something needed to be done with John. Well, it became Herod's birthday. And to say he had a pretty wild birthday party would uh, probably be an understatement. But at the birthday party, Herodias' young daughter, probably 13, 14 years old, did a seductive dance for Herod. And in that, Herod goes goofy, stupid, and says, by my oath, anything you want in my kingdom, I will give it to you. She doesn't know what she wants. She's she's just a young girl, so she goes to her mother. And Herodias tells her, tell him you want the head of John the Baptist on a plate. So, it's all of a sudden now that Herod decides he's going to have a lot of integrity. And so he says, well, I've sworn this by an oath, so I can't go back. And that's what she wants, so uh, that's what he gives her. I won't go into detail. So, faithful John, obedient John, the greatest man ever born of a woman, John, has his head removed from his shoulders. Am am, am I the only one that has a little bit of a problem with that? Am I I the only one that says, wow, a faithful servant like that? That's that's a pretty brutal ending. Recorded fully in Scripture, in detail. I know this, it kind of goes against some of the things we hear a lot, isn't it? It it goes against things like, well, if, if, if... You'll work hard. God will bless you. If you'll do these things, if you'll pray this way, if you'll use these words, this gonna, you, you know, you're basically, I don't, I, you won't hear it put quite this way, but it, 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 this is what I believe is said sometimes. It kind of backs God into a corner because you said it the right way and you did it the right way, and it puts God in a place where he kind of has to bless you because, it, you know, if you give of your time and your talents, then God will turn around and he will bless you for the gift of your time and talents. This flies directly in the face of that, does it not? And I guess I'll submit that 
John was a lot more giving and a lot more faithful and, 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 and had better words in prayer than, than me. And I guess you too. I don't want to call you out. I'm saying me. I just think it's possible for us to get caught up in the idea that somehow this is all about us. And that we are here because God wants us here, wants to bless us while we're here. And somewhere along the way, if God blesses us more, God gets glory from that. And, and, and this, points in a completely, this points in a completely different direction from that. And I just don't want any of us to fall into thinking that if we pray a certain way, if we say certain things, if we do certain things, then somehow that puts God in a position where he has to do what then we want. See, that the Bible teaches that our satisfaction and joy is complete in Christ. No matter our circumstances, even with deep and incredible sorrow. I believe we can trust that, that God is good. He loves us. And that the circumstances of our lives are to bring him glory and ultimately our joy. Let me give you just a really quick example. I, I, won't, I won't belabor this, but I just want to give you a really quick example of this from Scripture, Okay. There was a young boy born, or as a, as a baby born into a large family. His name was Joseph. He's in the, it's in the Old Testament. Had all brothers. He was the youngest of all of them, and, and the Scripture is quick to point out he, he was a very good-looking young man, and he may have been a little bit arrogant. Uh, and his, it was clear, too, from the Scriptures that he was favored by his father. His father loved him more than his other children. And one night he had a dream and he used some really bad judgment the next day, and he told his brother about the, brothers about the dream that he had where all of them worshipped him. Probably not the, those of, that are younger brothers here in the room probably know that's probably not the best way to handle it. Uh, older brothers tend to take exception to those kinds of things. Um, but anyway, they started plotting to kill him. We're, we're tired of Joseph. Dad gave him this beautiful coat. None of us got one. You know, it's, it's, it's where Joseph's got to go. So they make a, a plan, and, and, and one day out in the field, they toss Joseph down in a, in a pit, and they're going to kill him. And I think they kind of thought, I don't want to kill him. You kill him. You know, that, I can hear that going on among brothers, too. You, I don't want to do it. You do it. So they decided instead to sell him into slavery, put some blood of an animal on the coat, take it back to the dad, and say, an animal got him. So Joseph, who had done nothing wrong, finds himself being sold into slavery and in Egypt, working for a guy named Potiphar. Well, apparently Joseph is a pretty smart guy, and he does very well working for Potiphar. As a matter of fact, he ends up getting elevated within Potiphar's business and family to the point he's basically governor of everything that, that Potiphar has. And remember what I said, he was an attractive man, and Potiphar's wife took a strong liking to him. And, uh, and she propositioned him one day, and he said, how, how, how could I sin against your husband? How could I sin against my God? But she kind of didn't want to take no for an answer and, and, uh, and grabbed him. 
and his coat got him in trouble again. Uh, she, he came out of his, his robe and left it there and, and ran out of the, of, the, uh, of the room. She's embarrassed, and she claims that Joseph attacked her. And slave, slave's wife, you know how it went for Joseph. So now, instead of just being a slave, he ends up a slave and in jail. He's thrown in jail for attacking his owner's wife. You know the story. While he's there, two guys that are in jail with him have dreams. They come to him. He said, you know, he, he kind of had a knack for dreams. And he said, well, I'll tell you what this is. You're going to die, and you're going to get out. And sure enough, that's what happens. Well, the one that got out ended up working for, the, for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh ends up having a dream that he didn't understand. And he was getting with his guys saying, what does this dream mean? What does this dream mean? None of them could tell him. And the, and the guy, the baker that was there that, that got let out, he said, you know, I was in jail with a guy that interpreted dreams, and he, he was exactly right, so go get him. So they bring Joseph up before Pharaoh, and he tells him about and he tells him about the dream he had. He said, I, "The dream that there were seven fat cows, and then along came seven skinny emaciated cows, and the skinny emaciated cows ate the the seven fat cows, and they didn't gain any weight." And Joseph said, "Okay, I'll tell you what that's about." He said, "Coming, there's going to be seven years of plenty in the land." going to be great harvest is plenty it's going to be followed by seven years of famine so i suggest just as a suggestion that during the plenty you take about half of it and you put it in storehouses and you put it away until the famine comes and you got plenty of food to eat well favor liked the idea and said okay you be over that you do that so that's what they did well sure enough here came the the, the great years the great years of plenty they stored it away, followed the, 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 by the years of famine, but they had plenty of food. Now, again, Joe's a pretty, pretty swift guy, and by, by the time that all this has happened, he's proven himself to be reliable and, 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 and honest and above reproach, and he keeps getting raised up in Pharaoh's uh, sight and in his, his administration, for the lack of a better term, and ends up pretty close to being the first man under, under Pharaoh. One day while he's there, he sees these older guys come walking in, probably 25, 30 years later from being thrown in the pit, and he recognizes them as his brother, as his brothers. If it had been me, I'd have said, line them up and shoot them all. Uh, but uh, it was not me. Um, so Joseph, full of compassion in the Holy Spirit, goes to them, and he says, I'm Joseph. His brothers are terrified. He says, no, 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 no. Filled him up with plenty to eat. He says, bring my father. And then that wonderful line, what you meant for evil, God has meant for good. And there's, there's, there's a bunch of these in the, in, in the scriptures. There's Job. There's the cross of Christ. You know, how dark a moment was that when they saw Christ on the, on the cross? I mean, these are, these are dark, dark moments in Scripture, but yet God is in control. He is the one. There will be no other. Now, guys, I, I am really not saying, 
I'm not saying that, that we're happy, okay? There's a big difference between happiness and joy. And I'm not saying that, you know, that we're going, oh, great, you know, my house just burned down. I'm so happy. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying those kind of things. I'm not, I, you know, it, there's times when it's going to be your diagnosis or it's going to be your spouse's diagnosis or it's going to be your child or it's going to be your parent or it's going to be your best friend and it's going to be painful and it's going to be sorrow beyond measure. It is going to be tears and weeping and pain like no other. In those minutes and in those times, we can know that God is near. He has not abandoned us. He still loves us. And ultimately, all of this is for his glory and our ultimate joy. Please understand that there is nothing in your life that God in his infinite wisdom has determined to not stop because it will lead to his glory in your eventual joy. I, 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 don't, you know, I, don't, I don't know how you're receiving this, okay? I don't. You know, I, I don't know if there's some of you going, you know, I was actually feeling pretty good till I came to church today. But I want you to hear it as good news. I want you to hear it as good news. God is there. I want you to hear it as the best news. God has not forgotten you. God loves you. God is sufficient in all things and all matters, even through the tears of sorrow and even through the, the, the monumental grief that we sometimes go through. So, uh, if you found yourself recently crying out like David, uh, where are you, God? He is here. And if you have found yourself today in that place where you just don't know what to do, my advice is grab somebody and say, I'd like to pray. I mean, there's, there's folks all around this room that I, that I know would love to pray with you. Chase is sitting right there. Jerry's sitting right there. Scott's over here. There's Cully. I mean, there's, there's folks all around the room that stand. Just grab one of them. They would love to sit down with you and just, just say, let me, well, just let me pray with you. Maybe the pastor being out of town was an opportunity for, for you to hear I am the one. I have not left. There will be no other. And I love you. I'm going to pray, and then I guess, Mike, are you going to come up and play a little bit? And uh, I'll pray. And uh, I'll tell you what, come on. Let's let him go ahead and play a little bit. I'll pray after he's done. And uh, if you need to talk, uh, Chase, you're there close, okay? If somebody needs to talk, will you step up here and, 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 and talk with them? And, uh, and just, just like I say, use this as an opportunity. 
And please hear me as, as I mean this, is this is the best news there is.